All right, another episode of Sunday Golds. It has been a minute since we last chatted, Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt. And uh, we wanted to get this podcast out to you guys before the end of 2021. Fall ball wrapped up uh, a little while ago uh, for Florida State. Mike Martin Jr. Uh, having another fall and a bit of a more normal fall uh, this time around now that the, uh, the COVID era, while still uh, very present, uh, is starting to be dealt with a little bit better by, by a lot of us. And so... Uh, good to see FSU baseball back out there. A couple of scrimmages as well. Uh, but Brett, look, uh, 31 and 24, uh, a season ago, we started to see how this Florida state team might look under Mike Martin jr. In terms of style of play, um, the talent level, uh, upticking obviously, and then, uh, getting to the Oxford regional, uh, in the end. And, um, now you move forward with a lot higher expectations. I know you were able to go to a good bit of fall and really cover this team for Tomahawk Nation uh, this fall. Um, what were your overall thoughts from a macro level? Yeah, long long time no talk. Uh, good to be back here on Sunday Golds with you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of thoughts coming out of the fall. But overall, I think it's a, a team that's much improved in, in a lot of different areas. And, you know, I think one thing that was much improved this fall was just the energy of practice, it wasn't so, it was, there wasn't so much of meat yelling to try to get the guys going, but more so um, player driven practices. And that had something to do with the, you know, some of their transfer additions like Alex Terrell, I mean, a fifth year senior in the ACC, um, you know, Jordan Carrion's only a sophomore, but he did a really good job this fall of, of leading. And um, so did Parker Messick. I think, you know, I saw more of him, more of that out of him this fall with, you know, him knowing that he's that bon- that ace now and, uh, you know, he's comfortable in who he is and, you know, he's really confident in who he is. And um, so those three guys really led the way in, in that fa- facet. And, um, you know, just being out there and seeing the coaching staff, I think they're really optimistic about what this year could bring. And um, I think they just feel that, you know, this is, this is a team that is much more complete and is much more what they want it to look like. Um, you know, like in football has transition classes, so does baseball. And sometimes it affects even more because of how early you have to get out there. So, I think with each year going by, we're going to see a little more deeper and deeper roster. And I think this year is, is much, it's a big improvement in that area from last year. Athleticism was another thing too, Brett, that uh, you had touched on that this staff wanted to improve. Do you think that they've done that with uh, either the recruiting class that they brought in with the new group of freshmen and, or the transfers that they brought in? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes in both with both in both of those situations um, you know, obviously Alex Terrell isn't going to bring you a ton of athleticism, but Brett Roberts led his team last year in stolen bases, had more than the entire Florida State team combined, I believe. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think will steal double digit bases. Um, you know, Jordan Carrion doesn't steal a ton of bases, but is an athletic kid. There's a lot of freshmen on this team that can do a lot of different things that are very versatile in what they can do. I mean, even the catcher you brought in this year is, can run a 6'5 or 60 yard dash. Um, you know, there's just a lot more athleticism all over the field. And I think that was part of making this fall much more competitive but for pitchers versus hitters as in last year it was, you know, it wasn't always competitive day to day because of how good this staff was, but, you know, bats were able to put more pressure on this year and they were able to do a lot of things differently. And, you know, you saw as fall got on and they played other teams as well, which they didn't get to do last year, that they were just a very aggressive team, both at the plate and on the bases. And, and that's what they want to be moving forward, but they didn't have those capabilities last year. Um, I think they, they feel that they're moving in that direction now. 
And in this episode, uh, you can expect uh, we'll break down uh, position by uh, position, and uh, we'll also take a look at the schedule uh, that Florida State released uh, earlier this fall as well. It is absolutely loaded, and it'll give you plenty of reason to to want to come back to Dick Hauser Stadium, uh, a full capacity Hauser, which is going to be um, incredible. I know Brett's been looking forward to that for a while uh, because it is one of the best atmospheres and home home field advantages you'll have in the sport and so uh we both were there for the old miss uh the the regional and, and how good their fans were and how much of, di- of a difference it ended up making uh for that program so it'll be exciting to have hauser back at uh you know full capacity and and the animals of section b leading the charge uh the way that we, they know how um yeah, yeah think- we've We've had love is gone stuck in our head ever since we went to Swayze Field about what six months ago now. David Guetta uh, put on a bop, man. That 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 song is. Uh, you're right. We had we we played that probably a thousand times uh, between the the drive back from Oxford to Tallahassee and then just uh, the months afterwards. But um, all right, so Brett, uh, let's jump into. Um, we'll start with the. The position players. I think that's a good place to begin. Um, we'll do the we'll do the position uh, the the pitchers last. But um, starting with position groups, let's start in the outfield and work our way in. Um, some returning faces, but also some young talent that has a lot of people excited around the program. Yeah. So first off, um, it might be a little unexpected, but um, Logan Lacey is going to be this team's center fielder. Um, you know. I think that was pretty much shown this entire fall. He was the guy out there all the time handling those duties. Um, you know, Logan was a guy they were kind of expected to, unexpected to get back this year. Um, just as good as a college baseball player as you can get. And the kid that loves Florida State, Tallahassee kid, does a lot of things. You know, might not look like your normal center fielder, but, um, you know, Logan is surprisingly fast and, um, you know, has a really big arm, maybe has the biggest arm on this team outside of the pitcher's. Um, and then, you know, going over to Reese, another returner, you know, Reese talked about early in the fall with the media that, you know, kind of came back this year with a completely different mindset, um, you know, kind of freeing himself a bit and just taking it day by day and really enjoying himself again. He even said in his, in his media, um, availability that he had told me he wasn't coming back at the beginning of the summer. He thought he was going to go pro, but, you know, just found his way back to Florida state and, Staff is very excited about it, very excited to have him back. He showed some signs late in fall of, you know, starting to figure it out again at the plate. And if he figures it out again and, and goes back to his normal self, that's a, uh, it's a dangerous, that's a dangerous uh, outcome for a lot of other teams. Um, you know, Isaiah Perry is also returning. Speedster can, you know, range around in center field, um, hit the home run at, at Ole Miss. So he's a capable role guy and can step up when you need him to. Um, you know, like you said, there are youngsters, uh, James Tibbs was Florida State's highest rated uh, position player coming into school this year. Really big power. I mean, maybe has the easiest opposite field power on this team and left-handed hitter, a lot of buggy whip in the swing, can just put it off the, the scoreboard in left field with ease. Uh, there's just a lot of talent there. Uh, big arm in right field. We'll see if he starts day one, but I think at some point this year, uh, this upcoming year, he's going to be really special. And, you know, going through the next three years, I think he could be a really good player for them. Uh, AJ Shavers also a returner, but we didn't get to see him much last year. Uh, you know, only played, I don't know, I and mean, he might not have played at all, um, but he's as talent, raw talent wise, he's almost as talented as anybody on this, on this roster, just 
you know, they used last year's development with him, uh, you know, needing to get more used to college pitching and seeing off speed and recognizing pitches, but can really mash when he gets a hold a little bit of a baby Elijah Cabell, that kind of power, that kind of special power also plays left field, uh, a little more athletic version of Elijah Cabell, I think. And they're trying to get him to be, you know, more contact prone. So, um, I think that mostly covers the outfield. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I know. Like we said, uh, it, there'll be some familiar faces. I think interesting that you pointed out uh, that Lacey is headed to center field. Obviously, they used him there at times. And the question was, you know, uh, where does he best impact the team for you? Uh, because he was great in center. Um, but he was your best option a lot of the times at third base. Um, and Brett, I think, you know, when we, when we touch on uh, uh, the infield, uh, there's another Brett as well that uh, could take over at the hot corner. Yeah. So like you said with Lacey, I mean, last year he was their best defensive center fielder and third baseman. I mean, he would have been their best defender at a lot of positions, really. I mean, we saw him corner outfields as well as at, at some point as well, but, you know, they feel like they've got some good options this year going into third base, you know, like with Brett Roberts, as you said, kind of a position he's learning now, um, you know, has played mostly middle infield his entire life. Hadn't really played third base until this summer, which he did in the Cape. Um, he was mostly there during the fall. Um, definitely looked more and more comfortable as the fall went on. Um, I think we'll talk more about Brett when we get more into the infielders, but that's the reason why. Um, they're moving Logan to centers because they just, they feel comfortable with what they have at third base this year. I think that's going to be a theme that we kind of circle on throughout this podcast, right? Is that the staff feels like the depth of what they can do with this specific group is going to allow them more flexibility, uh, really all of 2022. So that's exciting. Um, and, and again, you'll see why as we, uh, when I say we, I mean, mostly Brett will continue to break down uh, a, a lot of this, this team, but uh, all right, so Lacey in center. You got some uh, youngsters at, at one of the corners uh, and Reese uh, Albert at one of the other corners. And so that'll be uh, pretty exciting. You know what's funny, though, Brett, is that Reese Albert, even as bad of a year as he had last year in the injury, you know, the injury-plagued season, had four home runs, uh, <laughs> which is top six on the team, even after everything, you know, put together. Uh, point being, Reese Albert, I think even if he just has a mediocre season by his his standards, right? Like what we've seen Reese at, at his best and what we've seen Reese at, you know, at maybe his lowest in, in his time at, at Florida State. If you meet in the middle, Reese Albert's still a guy that's going to impact your baseball team in more ways than one and end up being uh, a special uh, part of that lineup. So that's exciting uh, for me. Um, and then I was, I was just going to add that even when Reese isn't going well, he's going to get his homers, especially in Dick Hauser. And, you know, the staff really likes him defensively in the corner outfield positions. And, um, you know, especially in right field now, he from playing center field, he knows what that fence is going to do in certain spots. So, you know, that would be a benefit of putting him in right field as well. But I think with Shaver, Tibbs, and, and Reese, you know, you could see any sort of mixture of those three um, between corner spots and DH or whatever you want to do there. And, you know, also having a respected guy back in the locker room, uh, never a bad thing. He's always been a, a good clubhouse guy uh, since his freshman year. So um, somebody was asking me, I can't remember exactly, a few months ago, like, 
is Reese Albert still effective for Florida State baseball? Like, is it worth even having him back? And I said, absolutely, because there's there's so many reasons as to why he could make a positive impact uh, in that clubhouse. And um, like you mentioned, maybe the home runs, if that's all, if that's, th- if that's the thing that he provides best uh, for Florida state this season, you're going to lose something like 50 home runs uh, from last year's team and anything you can get back to meet uh, that number uh, is, is something that you'll take, but all right. So outfield, I think that's a pretty good rundown. Tibbs is exciting. Uh, a freshman that had a lot of draft buzz late and uh, could have, turned down some, some decent money uh, to come to Tallahassee. Um, and then, of course, uh, Logan Lacey. If you get anything, Brett, like you got from him last year, I think you've got an all-ACC caliber player. Yeah, I mean, that, I thought last year he should have been given more consideration to be an all-ACC type player. I mean, without Logan, I mean, I mean, I think like Logan, that was the second most valuable position player on that team outside of, Matt Nelson and I think Matt Nelson was the most valuable player in the entire conference and maybe entire country I mean if you take Matt Nelson off last year's team I don't know if they do much of anything but yeah I mean Logan Lacey last year 883 OPS 295 average 10 homers 13 doubles Um, you know isn't a guy that strikes out a ton as an aggressive hitter and I just I just like watching Logan Lacey plays baseball he plays hard plays for his teammates he's always said that in post-game stuff and you know, is really the guy, like I said earlier, that really, really likes Florida State just because, you know, he's a he's a hometown guy. Yeah, and look, uh, I think it reminds me his season last year. You remember the year Mike Salvatore had? Uh, but then Salvatore ran out of, you know, got drafted and, and, and moved on. But last year reminded me of that Mike Salvatore year in which he kind of, things kind of clicked for him late especially, and he became one of the more consistent bats uh, in the conference uh, towards that last like quarter of the season into FSU's run to Omaha. Now you kind of have Logan Lacey back instead of moving on. So that's a huge weapon uh, for Florida State's lineup. Brett, do you expect him to bat top top three in the order? Is that safe to say? Somewhere top five. I mean, I don't know exactly what they're going to do yet, one through or I know what they're going to do on one. It's going to be Tyler Martin as it should be, but I don't know what they're going to do two through five exactly yet, but he'll be in there somewhere. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the infield. Sound good with you? Yeah. Uh, Do you want to start with the uh, corner spots or should we go up the middle? Yeah, let's do corners first. Um, You know, FSU is going to get more of a profile fit at first base this year. Um, You know, Tyler Martin had a good year last year, but Tyler Martin's not a first baseman profile and fielding wise, um, you know, struggled at first a little bit and doesn't give you power there in, in that spot of the lineup. Um, but you bring in Alex Terrell now. I know Alex Terrell's numbers were down a bit last year, but I, it's a lot of people are really downplaying what that addition is going to mean to this team and to this program. I mean, he's a really good team guy, first of all. Um, you know, you've seen guys kind of just go towards him, gravitate towards him at practices. Um, guys really like him. He fit in really well. You know, you don't know how, you know, a Miami to Florida straight transfer is always going to go, but that's gone really well for them. Um, man, he had a really, really good, good, really, really good fall. And he's not just a power hitter. Like Alex is a really good hitter. He sees the ball really well, um, knows what he's doing at the plate. Meat really likes how he takes, how he approaches the box. Um, you know, it's just, and the thing is he fits so well in Dick Hauser stadium. 
I mean, just think of, I mean, there were times this fall where he barely got a ball and it just went off the fence. And, you know, sometimes those aren't, those aren't doubles for Alex Trow, but you know, you're on base and he's going to get on base a lot. I really think he could make up the power differential and losing Matt Nelson. Um, you know, if he gets back to what he was, I mean, two years ago, he had, or three years ago, I'm sorry, before the shortened season, 23 homers, or I don't know if it was actually 23, but right around that number, you know, in a bigger park, uh, you get, bring him to to Kowser stadium. I really think the sky's the limit for him. If he keeps going like he was in fall. Uh, and, you know, I also really like his glove at first base, you know, you're going to lose some range there, but you're going to really help the other infielders. I think he's very good with his glove, picking the ball, very good around the base, uh, just knows what he's doing there and he's comfortable there. And he's a guy that's, that's played the position a lot. So I think that will be a place for Florida state is also better defensively this year. Um, you know, Connor Strickland and Cade Bush are also guys at first base. Uh, Cade Bush is, is kind of a slugger, uh, you know, a guy that I don't think will uh, be in the picture this year a ton, but is a guy down the road that they think can hit for some power. Uh, Connor Strickland was a Juco transfer, uh, had, you know, hit for some power last year, and I think he hit 340. He's a guy that will be, you know, a role player. And I think he's an upgrade for some of the role players you had last year. And he's, he's a guy that will, you won't have to hit pitchers this year instead if, if guys go down or if guys are struggling. Um, you know, Bassett Menez is also a guy that's worked at first base. Uh, still working back from the arm injury he had last year. Really like his bat. Really have always liked bat since he got on campus. Um, you know, had a really bad arm injury a couple, uh, last, I want to say last early in the spring. So he's a guy that might work there some more instead of at catcher. Um, and he's a bat that I think, you know, could get into the lineup this year if, if he keeps hitting like he did in, in this fall. Uh, moving over to the other corner, like we talked about, Brett Roberts, Tennessee Tech transfer, um, you know, was led Tennessee Tech in a lot of their categories last year. He's a guy that's, that's going to give you just about every single tool, I think. Um, you know, like I said, he's transitioning to third base a little bit. I think that's where he'll end up playing on opening day unless they end up, you know, moving him to second base for someone else. But that was his main spot in the, in the fall. His, his biggest issue this fall there was, um, you know, sometimes he can get a little picky with the glove and, uh, you know, not super accurate with the arm, but that's coming along. And I liked what I saw by the end of fall a lot. Um, I don't think he'll be as, as stable as Logan Lacey was at times, but he's, I don't think he'll be a liability as well. But with the bat, he's going to give you a lot. I really think he's a top five round bat in the MLB draft. Showed it in the Cape this summer, hit 300 plus against the best arms in the nation with a wood bat. Um, he's going to be a guy that is in that 300 range, I think, and he's going to steal you some bases, can get some infield hits. But the thing I'm looking forward to is I think he's going to have an outbreak with his power. Um, in one of the scrimmage games, he had a first at bat in Garnet and Gold against another team. He had a ball over the scoreboard in left field. Uh, only had five homers last year, but also had, you know, five homers in the shortened season as a true freshman. Uh, you know, it's just really good hands, really bat, really good bat, really lots of bat speed. Um, you know, I just, I really liked what I've seen from him. I've seen him since the summer, uh, every game he's played since the summer on. So, um, you know, pretty gotten pretty familiar with the other Brett, as you said, uh, and looking forward to what he can do. Um, you know, Connor Moore has also been at third base, uh, true freshman. I think they really like what his tools can bring them down the road. A um, little bit of a raw guy. Um, they're working some on his, his hands at the plate and how his swing path. Um, but I think they, they like what they have there in the, in the um, freshman out of St. John's. 
high school. Yeah, and I think it starts with those two kids that, that you mentioned at the corners. I mean, Terrell and Roberts. Anytime you can go and get that level of impact player to transfer to your program and to join a lineup, and I think that's going to be an area of Florida State's, I think, going to improve the order because of it uh, as a whole. Uh, we've seen Roberts has been mentioned somewhere in the top 200 prospects for this coming draft. And so uh, the MLB scouts certainly uh, have been put on notice by him right in the summer that uh, he played in the Cape that you actually had a nice chance to go cover uh, for, for the summer. So um, Roberts really excites me. The, the fact that he can steal probably 20 bases for you this season uh, meets meets been wanting to be aggressive and I think he's finally got some guys he can kind of turn it loose um Roberts also had I think something like 15 doubles and so that that's not nothing and then at Hauser um it's a bit of a bigger park in certain spots than where Tennessee Tech plays its home games so uh you're gonna have I think Roberts be able to impact more and more um in, in that area too yeah so the staff has worked really hard with Brett on you know, his approach um, and kind of opening him up to the opposite field because of what Hauser presents to hitters as, for a right-handed hitter. Um, you know, and as we got deeper into the fall, he started to use that fence more. And then, you know, when he gets out and pulls a ball, I mean, it can go really far. And I think a lot of those doubles, like you said, will turn into homers this upcoming year. And, you know, the one thing that he doesn't have is great plate discipline. And, but I think that's fine. I think that's, you know, it's a good balance to have a couple hitters that are aggressive like him and Logan and have a lot of other guys that are patient and get you walks. I mean, if Tyler Martin is hitting one and Brett Roberts is hitting two, I think that's a perfect balance between the two. And I think it's an exciting combo you could have there. So it's just, you know, something Florida, it's a talent that Florida state, it's rare talent. I think that they're, they're getting in now. And it fits more the mold of what FSU wants to have moving forward in this program is, as guys that, you know, that they have a little bit of pop, but they're going to hit for average and they will also impact the game on the base path. So there's that Terrell look 37 home runs in his career. I honestly don't care what he did last season. Anytime you have the option to add that type of experience um, he's played in post seasons with the hurricanes and look, he's, he's, it's not just some power five program. You're talking about Miami. It's the university of Miami. He's been at, at the highest of levels with the highest of expectations. So he's going to come right in. And as you mentioned, Brett, uh, he's already made a great impression on the rest of his teammates. Um, Terrell's a guy, I think, who could hit double-digit home runs. I think you should expect it from him. Um, he hit 293 and 296 in the two seasons prior. Uh, last year, he was 264 with just seven home runs. Did cut down on his strikeouts, um, which was a problem that he had uh, the year that he hit those 24 home runs. It was a lot of swing and miss as well, but um, he's someone that I know in the past, they've talked about him getting into better shape um, during his time at Miami. From what you saw, has he worked on uh, getting in better shape and, and being able to kind of have that bounce back season? Yeah, I, I think he's thinner since the last, since the last time I had seen him, um, you know, at the conference tourney last year, but I mean, I I don't really care about Alex Terrell's athleticism. I mean, he's going to hit singles and he's going to hit homers and he's going to walk. And I mean, no matter what anybody says about his season last year, or I mean, the guy was on the Golden Spikes preseason watch list, preseason first team All American on basically every single time 
every single site. Like you said, when you get that opportunity, I don't care if he's wearing green and orange, go get him. I mean, they did a really good job of poaching guys from other from other in-state schools, and I think they're going to make the other in-state schools regret it. Um, and we'll talk about the other guy here soon. Yeah, no doubt. And so uh, Terrell comes from Miami to Florida State. The the second player to do that, uh, Nico Baldor, another one who, who made the switch to the uh, to the good guys, so to speak. But all right, uh, <clears throat> pretty good preview there for the corner spots of the infield. Uh, two guys that will likely be amongst your your best hitters uh, in this in this lineup. So up the middle, uh, that's where we're going to see the most change. Nander DeSantis, Jackson Green gone. Uh, Florida State uh, has really upgraded uh, at, at that position with um, one transfer and, and another spot that they are hoping to fill, hopefully, with uh, a very familiar name. Yeah, so Florida transfer, Jordan Carrion, is going to be Florida State's starting shortstop. Um, it really doesn't get much better at the college level defensively-wise than him. And I know a lot of Florida State fans won't trust me when I say that because of how our defense has been in the past and – you know, meat doesn't know. That position. Right, right. But man, I mean, it's just watch if you go out and watch one practice, you go out and watch a couple of ground balls he takes, a couple of throws he makes the first. You know it's real talent. You know it's it, they've got something special there. Um I yeah, there's just not many words to describe how good he is defensively. And you know, he makes the he makes the routine plays, but he also makes, you know, the the spectacular plays. I mean, there are a couple of times he made diving plays and you would just hear Mike Martin Jr. say something that was just, how just wow. Um, but you know, with the bat, I think he's been even better with the bat than they expected him to be. You know, when he had first came in, it was kind of just like, you know, he's going to play really good defense and, you know, maybe hit at that bottom of the order. But I think there's a real chance we see carry on at the top of the order. Um, you know, he showed really good approach all, all fall. He's not a kid that's trying to hit for power a ton. Um, you know, he's, he likes poking it the other way. He shows a lot. He works counts deep. He's a guy that if you put him at the top of the order, you're going to stress a pitcher early in the game. You're going to put a lot of pressure on guys and you know he can run the bases as well. Some, I mean, you got two years of him coming from Florida. You got, I mean, you got two years at Florida state now after he's come from Florida. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be, if he's healthy, he's going to play every game at shortstop the next two seasons. Um, I just, I'm really looking forward to him showing people what he can do there um as of the two other two freshmen in the middle infield um Mays White and Trayton Ring really like both of them both had a good fall I think um Mays is very very good defensively is someone that they think of very highly defensively someone that if Jordan Carrion wasn't on this roster would be the best defensive player on the roster um high school quarterback very athletic kid uh, strong arm just very very fluid in everything he does uh, just they just need to work on develop the bat a little bit more. I think I think he'll be a kid that you see some in the spring, but I don't know. I don't know yet if he'll be an everyday starter. Trayton Rank was also a high school football player, plays all nine positions, but I believe Florida State will have him in the middle infield for the most part as well as some third base. Um, Trayton Rank's just a kid that does everything. Everything's not great, but nothing's. I mean, he just does everything well, and I, it's a kid that grinds down at ABs, and I think. You know, he's a couple, maybe a, a, maybe one year away from being a really, really good college baseball player. But he's a kid that I really like as a depth piece. And if he's in the starting lineup, you know, day one, it's not a kid. I wouldn't be surprised by it at, at all. 
At second base, um, it could be one of those two. You know, we haven't mentioned Tyler Martin yet. He could be there as well. Um, Tyler didn't practice all fall, um, had shoulder surgery, was out for the fall, but is expected to be back um, by opening day and healthy. And I believe they expected him back by or near the start of the spring. Tyler actually injured his shoulder on the very his very first swing of the season last year and played through it. Um, hit 280 and was, I don't know, he might have led the ACC in on-base percentage with a bum shoulder all season. So that tells you how much of a gamer he is and what he could do if he's healthy this season. Um, you know, really looking forward to getting Tyler back in the mix when it comes to the spring. And he should be the leadoff hitter. And I would suppose he's going to be the leadoff hitter because he's really good at it. Um, yeah, but I think that's his, that should be his position. I don't know if it will be. I have, I've heard, I've heard third base. I've heard second base. I've heard, I've heard left field. Um, there's just a lot of positions they think they could use him in, but for now, I think we'll talk, I'll just leave him in there at second base for now. And I think Tyler Martin is just this third year could be the year for him where that average stays, you know, three thirty or so, uh, throughout the year. Um, and, and as he continues to, you know, get stronger in Florida state's weight program, uh, not a kid that's going to ever hold a ton of weight uh, on his frame. Um, but there will be more, I think there power wise. And you've seen him kind of tap into moments, um, where he can kind of pull side, uh, at Hauser and, and kind of sneak one over that fence. But, um, <clears throat> that's as good of a plate approach as you'll probably find in college baseball. Uh, just his ability to kind of pester you at the plate to, to be your perfect leadoff hitter. I mean, the only thing that would make him better is if he was like, like Ronald Acuna at the top of the order where it's like the power's there too. And now all of a sudden you've got, you've got, you don't have a chance, but like he sets everyone else up so well and allows those guys two through five to see so many pitches before they come up that um, a third year of that, by the way, and a great locker room kid, a coach's kid, obviously, as everyone knows, but um, he does so many things effectively for your program in a positive way that uh, this third year, I think Brett could end up being uh, an all ACC caliber season for Tyler Martin. Yeah. And my favorite thing about Tyler is just that, he's the guy that pisses off other teams and gets other under other teams skin. I mean, we saw it a lot last year. He gets, he gets chirped more than anyone because he's coach's son, but he takes it better than anyone could. And he, I think he likes it. I think he enjoys it and plays better when he's getting it. And I just, I just, I just like watching him piss off other pitchers and I mean, pitchers just shake his head at what he's doing. Sometimes falling off like eight straight good pitches and then walking. I mean, I just, yeah, just, just a really good baseball player. Any chance I'm looking through some of these notes? Carry on had seven appearances on the mound for for Florida, and they they weren't off. The numbers are pretty impressive. I don't obviously don't know the context in which he pitched. Uh, I'm not sure who the opponents were. Is there any chance that Florida State gives him an inning here or there and, and kind of tests him out on the mound too? I think if he went to any other school or most schools, he definitely would be. But it's not going to happen at FSU. Um, at least this year, unless there's a lot of injuries, um, you know, they know he can do it, but they just, they don't need him to do it. They just want him to focus on that shortstop position. Gotcha. All right. So that's a, a pretty good recap of, of corner up the middle, uh, catcher position. That's look, you don't have a, a place to, to fill bigger shoes than the one at catcher. 
Florida State historically, right, Brett, is you could argue catcher you. Um, they've just had so many good ones. Buster Posey calls it a career uh, this year. And recently you've also seen Cal Raleigh kind of make his move to the big leagues. Uh, and so Matt Nelson, uh, he takes the next step into minor league ball. And I think that's a kid you're going to see with the Reds in the not so distant future. Um, but now for Florida State, how do you replace I dare even say the word replace because you can't do it. But how do, how, what does life after Matt Nelson look like for Florida State baseball? Yeah, so you don't necessarily necessarily replace Matt Nelson at the catcher position. You know, you replace Matt Nelson by profiling in other positions, which you haven't done for a while. I mean, you didn't get power at first base last year. You know, there's certain positions you really got nothing from at, at offensively. So you can make up the difference there. And then if you just have a catcher that plays good defense and does a little bit with the bat, then you can make up the difference in the whole lineup. Now, catcher specifically, obviously, like you said, big shoes to fill, or which I think should have been golden spikes to fill. But, I mean, yeah, you can't – there's not enough things to say about what Matt Nelson did last year for this team. Love the kid, love the player. Um, but Florida State does have some options, and you know they're not too worried about what they have. Um, you know, they know it's, it's not going to be Matt Nelson, but they also think they, they have some good options and they have some depth there. Um, Jaime Ferrer is, is there was their one of their best uh, recruits coming in. He's a freshman catcher, really athletic kid. Like I was talking about has run a six, five can really, really swing it. Um, you know, has a really big arm, just, you know, fluid, just runs all over the field, athletic kid. Um, but they're working there and the receiving and how he develops as a receiver in the spring will likely depend on, will likely determine um, if he ends up being the guy there day one. Um, but that's a special talent they have. And, and they've said, I believe meat said on the record that he's doing things as a freshman that, that Matt didn't do, that Matt didn't do as a freshman. Um, so they're really excited about what they have there. And they think he has a bazooka arm and some rare talents that, that, that are going to make him special in the future. I think he'll definitely contribute at some point in his freshman year, but maybe not day one. Um, Colton Vincent, Vincent, who was on the roster last year as a Juco transfer, he played a little bit when Matt was dealing with the thumb injury, which nagged him all sort of year. Uh, you know, last year, Colton struggled in the fall, uh, struggled to receive, um, struggled to hit, just was trying to make that adjustment from Juco to the college ranks and, you know, dealing with this pitching staff that Florida State has and all the velos and movements and all that adjustment. And, you know, he knew he wasn't going to be the starter last year and because they had Matt and, you know, but Mike Metcalf has done a really good job of developing him. Um, Metcalf works one-on-one with the catchers uh, now that meat works with the infielders Um, and they're comfortable in what um, Colton has developed into. And that's just, you know, a really reliable catcher behind the plate and someone that has a little bit of pop at the plate, you know, isn't going to, hit 300 or anything like that, but can be reliable. Won't be a complete black hole. I don't think. Um, yeah, but I like what Colton gives them behind the plate it was really a brick wall at times. Um, and I think he's gotten really comfortable with this pitching staff. He was here with us here with the, with the guys. Um, so he knows what, what they're going to, what they're going to give to him a bit more than he did last year. Um, but like you said, nobody's going to be Matthew Nelson. I mean, you don't want to expect that, but, you make up the difference by improving in a lot of different areas in a lot of, in the lineup. And, and that's what they did this year. Yeah. Maybe, uh, <clears throat> you know, Terrell 
can kind of replicate some of those power numbers, even if not all the way into the twenties. Um, and, you know, potentially Logan Lacey has an uptick in power, um, even just a little bit. We saw it at the end of the year, Logan really had figured out backspin on that ball, uh, to start to get it to lift and carry, um, especially that weekend at, at Ole Miss, he was fantastic, but, um, yeah, you're right. There's some areas you could probably replicate the, the numbers power wise, but like, you know, Nelson was such a good leader and such a voice in that locker room in that clubhouse that it's just going to be difficult. But, um, Vincent, you know, you've been really high on him and that's uh, a kid who in Juco ball, he was a pretty good player in junior college, um, especially at the plate. So, um, I trust Mike Martin jr. He's been dealing with catchers and coaching catchers for a very long time. He's a former catcher himself. Um, and as an assistant coach, that's the guy who molded uh, catchers throughout the program. And FSU's had incredible catchers. So the track record's good. I think you trust the coaching staff with this one. Um, and uh, Colton Vincent gets first crack, it looks like, behind the plate. But uh, you've also been high on Ferrer and, and saying that uh, he has a chance to, if not this season, by the end of the year, one day be that player that Florida State goes, all right, that's the next in line of great Seminole catchers. Yeah, I definitely don't think that position is decided yet. Um, you know, I think catcher, second base, and the two corner outfield spots and DH are still to be decided and a little bit of ways to go. Um, and that's not a bad thing either. I mean, you want there to be position battles in the spring. But, um, you know, as we're talking about it, I mean, I have in front of me that, you know, Florida State's only re- returning 33% of their runs from last year and, and you know, 21% of their home runs lost a lot of those big names. But, when you go down the list and, and, and really think about where they've gotten better, I mean, there's improvements in a lot of areas. I mean, obviously catcher, it's, there's, it's, you're going to last year was better. First base this year will be better. Second base this year will be better. Shortstop will be better. Third base better, I guess, because Logan Lacey's moving to center field where that will be better. Left field and right field up for debate. We'll see. I don't, we'll see what ends up happening there because you just got a lot of guys that, have high ceilings, but haven't really shown it yet. So but just overall in the lineup, I know a lot of people are worried because they lost so much, but with the transfers they added, some of the young kids they added and just things that they can do differently this year, it's not going to be so boom or bust. It's going to be, Hey, we can score consistently in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, however you improve the offense is, you know, uh, a net, positive, right? However you can do it, uh, get it done. And uh, it may end up being, you know, more, more pleasant for FSU fans to end up watching. I know last year, like you've mentioned, uh, watching the ball go over the fence is, is a lot of fun when it's happening. Uh, But then of course, uh, when you have long stretches where you're kind of, your offense is being stymied um, and, and you're not very versatile, right. Or multiple in the way that you can get runs across, it can be very frustrating. It's, it's like this, it's like, if you put it in football way, like, this team's going to be able to put drives together instead of just relying on a 50 yard touchdown. If you want to put it in other ways, I don't know if that even makes sense, but it's just, yeah, it definitely was tough to watch sometimes, but I think strikeouts will be down. You know, walks might be down too, but I think they're going to be fine with that. If, if strikeouts are down. All right. So let's move to the mound. Uh, you want to start with, the uh, the weekend rotation starters, and then we'll move into the bullpen, uh, and we can do uh, long relief, short relief, and of course closer. Uh, but starting rotation, 
I think we feel pretty good about Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard going Friday, Saturday. Um, let's start with those two uh, because both of those guys had incredible summers. Uh, Parker more so in the opportunity that he had. Sorry, y'all. Got phone calls coming in the middle of our our podcast. And anyway, so keep going. Uh, but yeah, so Parker and uh, a Bryce, Parker getting to be with Team USA, uh, Bryce being able to to have that Cape Cod summer. Brett, I mean, you could argue Florida State has the best one-two punch, at least in the ACC, if not, you know, competing for for best one-two punch in the country. Yeah, I mean, it it, it is the best one-two punch in the country. I don't I don't know where you're going to find two kids that are as experienced or as good as stuff. Um, you know, draft talk about both of them. You know, starting with Parker, like you said, worked for the college team, this the USA college team this this summer. Um, has made a bit of a change in his arsenal. Slider is going to be a bit more of a power pitch this year. He's made it. You know, last year he had added the curveball, but the curveball wasn't much different than the slider, and they didn't they didn't make much of a difference off each other. Um, and you know, end of the year he got figured out a little bit just because throws the changeup so much, and it seems like people started to sit on that a bit. Uh, Changeup's one of the best pitches in the country, in my opinion. Um, in the fall, his fastball is up a little bit, but mostly in that same area that he was in last year of high 80s, low 90s. Um, but yeah, just Parker's just that. I mean, he's a dog. I mean, you just watch him and it's fun to watch and doesn't care who's in the box, doesn't care what people think of him, just goes that gets after it every day on, that he's on the mound. So really enjoyable to watch him pitch. You know, him and Bryce are very different and you know Parker works a lot um east west and Bryce works a lot north north south and you know Bryce was the best pitcher on the cape this summer um no other way to put it he was dominant really really good really fun to watch I got to see one of his outings um you know no hit my team through five or six innings I remember what it was and was just absolutely unreal and you know Bryce is going to be the guy between the two of them that likely goes higher in the draft and I think you're going to see talk of of Bryce by pick 15. I mean, I know that might be surprising to some people, but you know, a lot of guys I've talked to think that Bryce may be the best lefty in college. Um, just the metrics and everything that he um, brings to the mound. Uh, fastballs up a little bit in, in velo. Um, was a little up and down with the velo in, in fall, but it doesn't really matter because of the spin rates he generates and how he uses the fastball up in the zone. Um, he has a new slider that is very, very, very good. Um, has changed that's you know he doesn't have to use his changeup anymore really um, and also he can use his curveball differently where it used, it used to be his swing and miss pitch now he can use it a bit more as his um, get me over and the sliders that swing and miss pitch and the slider's just unfair I mean you can go watch some of my YouTube videos or some of my tweets on him um, it's it's hard breaking it's late um, it's it's it just makes a lot of guys look silly so yeah, I think those that one-two punch it it can't be topped. Uh, it's 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 going to be really fun to watch those guys you know bounce off of each other on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah, and I think if you're Florida State, it's been it's been a while, right, since you've gone into a season and went man Fridays and Saturdays. We've essentially got we've got a huge chance to win the series in the first two games most weekends. Um, probably the way Vanderbilt felt with Rocker and, and Lighter. I mean, there's just times where you're like, what, what are the teams going to do to match up with us? Uh, but Sunday, 
the, the third spot. Um, who are some names right now that are competing to be in that rotation? Yeah, so it's a large group of guys, and this will kind of go into relievers as, as well. Um, you know, lefty-wise, guys that could be in there are, are um, Coel Dunn, even Scalaro, I think, isn't out of that mix yet, out of that conversation. Right-handed-wise, Carson Montgomery, obviously. Um, who else? Uh, Jackson Bomeister and Jackson Azu. So I think that's a group of six, I believe I just named. Maybe even you can add Dylan Simmons in there, but I think we'll, I think I'll leave him for relievers. Um, starting off on that left-handed trio, um, White Coel, when he's on, is, is, it's just unhittable. I mean, mid-90s, was sitting 93, 95 sometimes in, in, the, in the fall. Um, slider might be the best pitch on the staff. Really, really good slider. Um, you know, it comes from that sort of side, well, not side arm, but, you know, that, that low slot from the, from the left side. Uh, and just really low effort ball jumps out of his hands super as athletic as it gets for a pitcher. Um, you know, it's working on his change up a bit more. And I think that will help him, you know, if he wants to move into that Sunday spot, help him a bit of that. Um, Ross Dunn's a bit more, you know, is, is a bit more traditional of a pitcher, but pretty over the top really. Um, you know, his stuff is really, really powerful when he gets it going, uh, you know, in that can get up to that mid nineties range as well, but you know, mostly 92, 93, Breaking ball is much, much better this year. Um, has more command of it, is much tighter, can really use it to get swing and misses. It kind of varies between a slider and a curveball. I don't remember exactly what it was at the end of the fall. He's also got to work on his changeup to get that third pitch. Um, but Ross, it seemed like something clicked for him late in fall. Um, he had some struggles early with command, but at the very end, it, it really started to click for him. He had a really good outing against uh, Troy, I believe, was the last team they played. I believe he struck out the side on like 10 pitches or something. Um, and then Jonah Scalaro has made improvements this year as well. I really like what I've seen from Jonah um, comes back as a red shirt senior, had a really good summer up in the Cape as well. Like Bryce did, uh, you know, he's added a new changeup that really helps him against right-handed hitters. And it's, it's really, you know, it's kind of similar to Parker Messick's. It's really got that late fading, fading action away from right-handed hitters. Uh, it kind of looks like a right-handed slider almost at times. Uh, spin rates on the curveball and slider are both up and the fastball is ticked up a little bit. Uh, you know, I think Jonah will be in the bullpen cause you need that veteran experience back there, but you know, I've heard his name thrown around a couple of times about the weekend, just if you wanted that Connor Grady type experience there. And then I guess moving into the trio of right-handers, um, starting with Jackson Bowmeister turned down a lot of money to come to Florida state. Um, nine figures. I'm not, geez, not nine figures, seven figures, I believe, um, you know, is the highest rated prospect for States brought in this class. And I believe I want to say he was right around where Carson Montgomery was ranked the year before. Uh, Jackson's not as powerful as, as Montgomery was coming in, but he's a bit more polished fastball, curveball, changeup type. Um, I think they want to keep working on that curveball a little bit more to get it a bit more bite on it. Uh, but he just commands his zone very easily, very easy um, delivery and everything. Low effort, ball jumps out of his hand, really gets down the hill. Uh, big kid, six foot four, two twenty five. Uh, yeah, he gets as far down the hill as anybody on this staff. He's definitely in the mix. I think if he's not in there, he'll be midweek, so they start grooming him to be the guy the next year or one of the guys the next year. Uh, Jackson Azu, I thought, was the best arm for Florida State this fall, and he was also very, very good in the summer. Something. Started to click for him in the summer command wise. And 
you know, confidence just kept growing for him. It looked like, and um, a lot of that came from a new splitter that he added, uh, you know, uh, Davis here also has a splitter on the staff. Uh, Jackson ended up adding a splitter that has been, it's just, it's just really given hitters struggle this year. And it really works well off of his high fastball. He's a guy like Bryce Hubbard that likes to work up in the zone with, you know, his back spins the ball very well and it jumps on hitters and they have struggles to get on top of it. Um, so yeah, I just, he was probably the most dominant pitcher and consistent pitcher throughout the fall and really set himself up well going into the spring. Carson Montgomery, um, you know, dealt with just a couple minor injuries in the fall and he, uh, you know, very early on in the fall was really impressed with him and then had a bit of a setback and then, you know, came back and I thought end of fall, he was starting to really look good again. And, you know, last fall and spring, he was really sharp before, you know, it kind of just, I think, first of all, when McCann looked really a little wrong for him and then that got mentally to him in the regular season, and they've just been working very hard on, on, you know, his, you know, his delivery this, this off season and, started to what pay off for him late in the fall. And you just, you, I mean, we all know what's there for Carson and what he is when he's on, but we also know what he struggled with and the consistency. And I think you need a guy on Sundays that is going to give you a good start to a game, especially a rubber game. You need someone you can rely on. Um, and Carson's right. You definitely can rely on him and you can shut down teams and really put the foot in the throat. Um, and this staff may be deep enough where you can say, you know, if he doesn't have it first inning, we can go somewhere else, but we'll see. I mean, no matter what, you're going to have a good arm there. In my opinion, you're also going to have a really good battle in this, this, this spring. And I think that's a good thing. A lot of times too, Brett, when you look at, I think teams that have Omaha aspirations and, have national seed aspirations. That's probably the next step, right? For Florida state is to once again, reclaim being one of those top ACC national seeds that they get one of those national seeds. Uh, they always have a third starter that it, it might not be the, you know, the most talented of arms necessarily. It, and it doesn't always have to be your, your highest draft picked your highest draft pick, but it's going to be someone that gives you a chance every Sunday. Um, and I think FSU has more than that in the tank. I think this, this year they've got, they do have draftable arms, uh, in a, uh, you know, in a Montgomery, in, in a bomb Easter, in a, um, even Scalaro, who, like you said, has turned so many heads this summer, uh, up in the Cape Cod league and, and, and the pitches that he's added. Um, you've got a shot, uh, I think to have three really, really good starters and, um, there's a chance to overwhelm opposing lineups, um, especially ones that are not as talented, right. Um, that, that, that you get to go up against, uh, throughout the year. Um, looking at middle relief guys, who are some top names to know anybody take a step forward, any freshmen from last season that you're excited to see as sophomores. Yeah. So I guess a lot of the guys from that Sunday spot move into there as well. So, I mean, thinking about it, you got six guys there and, one of them is going to be Sunday. One of them is going to be midweek and four of the others are going to be in your bullpen. So that tells you about some of the depth that Florida state has. Um, you know, I guess we can just kind of jam all the relievers together because I think when you talk about closers, it's going to be one of those guys, in my opinion, that doesn't make the weekend rotation just because they have Mike Martin jr. Really wants power in the back end of the bullpen and really wants a guy that just makes team feel like they have no chance. And, a lot of those guys, I think, could do that done. Um, you know, Crowell, Montgomery, Nazu, I think all are guys that could potentially be closers. Uh, moving on to some pitchers I haven't mentioned yet. Um, Dylan Simmons was a guy that entered the transfer portal at one point. 
didn't know exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, ended up coming back to Florida State. He is a pitcher only now, and that has really helped him. And and you know, I, I really liked what I saw from Dylan a lot this fall. You know, had a you know a couple of rough outings near the end, but for the most part, had a really good fall. Um, fastball velocity is up, was up in the ni- 94, 95 range at times. Slider is a really hard, tight slider. Um, you know, can maybe be what Jack Anderson was for them last year before Jack had to move into the the closer role because just of what they what they had and how he was throwing. Um, but Dylan's got that tight slider fastball combo that Jack had, um, and he can give you a couple innings out of the pen and, and maybe bounce back. Uh, you know, throw two or three. Two, week, two times a weekend. Um, Davis Hare obviously is back. He's a guy that I could see throwing anywhere, any inning in a game. I could see him being a closer too. Um, you know, his sinker, you know, sinker fastball type, um, you know, he's up to 96 at times this fall, really throwing the ball really well, really hard. Um, splitter when it's on, yeah, I mean, really hard to hit. And slider looked a bit better this year. Still more of a get-me-over type, but it, it's coming along. Um Andrew Armstrong is the other one, other lefty on this roster. I haven't mentioned. I expect him to throw a lot this year. Um, I think Scalaro might move into what Kwiatkowski was last year, and you know, be the guy that gives them you know long relief type um, outings out of the pen. And, and Armstrong might be the guy that comes in and, and gets them an out or two against left-handed hitters. Really going to be really hard to hit against lefties. Was very good in his summer league as well. Um, you know, you didn't see really see much of him last year, but he's really funky. Delivery, almost sidearm from the left side, um, wipeout slider. Um, and me talked about him a lot last year. They just couldn't get him in there much because of what they had. But I think they really like what they have there. Yeah, so the depth is real for Florida State. And it's righties, it's lefties. Um, you've got guys with funk. You've got guys that are just power and they'll just come at you. Um, Brett, is this the, the best pitching staff top to bottom Florida State's had in, in some time? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been covering the team for four years now, and I've watched it before, but I think it's the best, probably, maybe the, probably the best one they've had in the four years I've been here, um, just top to bottom, because I think they're going to have the depth in the bullpen and the one-two punch of getting a full year of that one-two punch. I thought they had that one-two punch with Van Eyck and Drohan, but now they're going to get a – full year hopefully of of you know Messick and and Hubbard um and guys just keep on improving they just keep on adding um I think I'll add three a couple more newcomers to to that group um freshman Connor Whitaker was a guy that wasn't ranked very highly um they just trusted their scout on him and I think it's really going to pay off for them I really think he's the next Connor Grady type pitchability guy um you know fastball that has good movement on it might be a sinker um, also has curveball instead of a slider. Connor had a slider, but he's curveball that he can throw for strikes whenever he wants. Also has a very, very good changeup. Um, he really threw well this fall, and they're really excited about what he can be. And I think he's a guy that actually is going to contribute for them this year, maybe with some midweek innings or, or you know, being a bridge on a short start to the bullpen. David Barrett they brought in from JUCO as well. Um, you know, has a really tight, oh, I don't know, curveball slider. It's they called it both sometimes to go along with a, you know, low nineties fastball. Um, so he'll be a guy that's in the mix. Joe Charles, they brought from UNC and he's a guy that's really interesting. Um, never really threw at UNC, but was one of the highest ranked kids to come out of his class. Never really threw there in two years because of, you know, injury and command, um, really struggled with command in the fall. I mean, in the summer, sorry. 
Uh, but fall, he just got better and better and better with every every outing and every day with, with Jimmy Bellinger. And I think his his progression from day one of fall to the last day and all the outings of him I saw just give you a glimpse at how good Jimmy Bellinger is with with these guys. And um, you know, they worked on his arm slot a little bit um, and how he got down the hill. And you know, curveball, he's curveball and slider that are both wipeout pitches and just make a, a hitter's life hell. And um, you know, it's just the fastball command for him. If he gets fastball command and he can throw it in mid nineties at times, if he gets that, it's uh, it's going to be a, a real, real, real weapon for Florida state. Even if they don't get Joe to be what Joe can be, they're still going to have a good bullpen, I think. But if you add Joe, a really good Joe Charles on top of that, then you've got something really, really nice. And then, and, you know, a side note, Doug Clark Kirkland is expected back at some point in the season, maybe as early as March. And um, going into last year, Doug Kirkland was going to be the closer. And he's that guy. He's got that mentality and he's got that stuff. So if you get that back to add along to all that, um, yeah, good luck to other hitters. So the pitching staff, probably uh, the strength of this team again um, in a lineup that should improve overall. Um, do you expect – overall defense um i think the answer is you know you've kind of alluded to it a few times at upgrades at different positions uh can this be one of the better fielding teams that that mike martin jr and and even mike martin senior had uh at least uh, recently it'll be the best one that junior has i mean you're going to be better at first a lot better at shortstop um i think you'll be better at the corner outfield positions as, as well as well um, so yeah, it just, and that's a lot of that has to do with just being more athletic and just having guys that can just cover a lot of ground and, and do a lot of different things for you and be comfortable playing a bunch of different positions and not being just one dimensional. They're just, they're trying to get away from one dimensional players. And I think you'll see a little bit more of that this year. And, you know, some of the, you know, they brought in carry on and throughout cause they're going to make them a better baseball team but they're going to make them a lot more of a better defensive baseball team. So hopefully something to look forward to is the Knowles move into 2022. Uh, all right, Brett, the schedule, this is as good of a schedule. Uh, yes, it's going to be tough, but exciting and a lot of great matchups at home. Um, what stands out to you when you look at that schedule um, from, a from a large picture. Yeah. So I, I love the non-conference schedule that they put together, the weekend matchups they put together. Um, you open up the season with James Madison, who's no slouch. James Madison has the number one draft prospect in the country in the prep side. Um, Chase DeLauder is a left-handed hitter that, that really raked in, in the Cape Cod this, this summer. And, you know, he's just a really, really good player. And, you know, these gonna, they're going to have to work hard to get that series. And, you know, maybe look at their first opening day W under under me. I know that's something that I know that's something that they that they really want to get for once and and start on a good note. Um, Samford, I mean, what they do to Florida last year in their regional? I mean, didn't they score like eighteen runs in them? Samford always hits. I mean, you just you're taking a step up there. I think from week one to week two, um, and then California is another team that you know wasn't great last year, but they're there's quality college baseball team. And that's a good, that's a good way to prepare for your, for ACC the next week. Um, California also has a really good prospect in Dylan Beavers. 
Um, Nate Martorell is also a really good hitter from the Cape that played with Brett, Brett Roberts this summer. Um, and then the big one, the fun one that everyone's going to talk about is TCU. Um, that actually will be my graduation weekend. So will be an interesting weekend in Tallahassee. Um, you know, TCU, um, you know, new coach there. Um, who was it that went there? I can't remember exactly, but you know, TCU is a good baseball program always has been, that's just going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, usually when Florida state gets these, these, um, non-conference, uh, weekend games and, and, and during ACC play late in the season, they schedule a nobody, but man, they went big this year. And I think it's going to be really exciting. And that's going to be a really fun weekend at, at Dick Hauser. And I can't wait for it. And this is just, this is meets first full year that you're going to get to see what he wants to do with his schedule. And, you know, he put, he put together a good one and I think it's only the beginning. And I believe Florida state, I believe it's not the last time FSU is going to play TCU in the next few years. So just sounds like a home and home. Sounds like a home home has been agreed to. Usually you don't, you don't play a opponent of that caliber uh, without some kind of return trip. Um, at least in a three-game set. So that could be exciting. Uh, obviously, they haven't announced that, but uh, maybe the expectation is that Florida State at TCU could be a fun one in the in the future too. Um, TCU, by the way, Brett, Kirk uh, Kirk Sarlus. Um, I think he was the pitching coach um, for TCU. Schloss uh, went over to a and if I'm if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So um, very proud program. Florida State fans – do not like TCU uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, one of which being eliminated by them in a, in a college world series um, about 10 years ago, that, that, uh, that still stings. One of my, one of my worst memories watching FSU baseball uh, growing up was, was losing to TCU. Um, and uh, they had a really do just an awful, annoying pitcher, Matt Perk or something. I don't remember cocked his hat like slightly to the left. Like he didn't even Brett, like he didn't even like turn it to the side or backwards. He would just cock it at like a 45, like a 40 degree angle to the, it was just so stupid. And, you know, you just wanted to rake him and he would walk out there and shove. So it was, it was super annoying. Um, <clears throat> TCU going to be a fun series. Uh, Cal Chicago white Sox first baseman, uh, Andrew Vaughn, by the way, um, uh, a Cal bear. Uh, in the past and was one of the best players in the country, one of the best power hitters a few years ago. So Cal, uh, Cal won't be a slouch, man. The Pac-12 is, it's a good conference and they, they play an interesting style of baseball and it's going to test Florida State. It'll be a different, it'll be like playing almost like a Cal State Fullerton type of team um, and getting them to come cross country. That'll be interesting. Uh, I wonder if that means meat might agree to do some West Coast trips uh, in the, in the future too. Who knows? Um James Madison, solid team, as you mentioned. And uh, who's the other series that I'm missing right now? That's, oh, you said Samford. Samford beat Florida State in a regional, like in Tallahassee, not that long ago. They, they upset FSU. So um, that's like your same level as what, like a Troy uh, playing like a team like that, that is going to be competitive, feisty, and they have success in their conference. So um, that's going to be one of the biggest series of their season, no doubt. But then I look at the ACC slate too, man. And wow, you get NC state in Tallahassee, you get UCF twice in Tallahassee, you get Duke three times in Tallahassee. That's a, 
Chris Pollard's started to build something pretty great, uh, special uh, over in Durham. Uh, you get Notre Dame, uh, a super regional team in Tallahassee for three games. Uh, you go back to Georgia Tech for three, which I'm sure a lot of Atlanta area Knowles are excited about. Uh, last year we had COVID, we had COVID restrictions, and you still had a lot of garnet and gold. Um, it at Ross uh, was it uh, Chandler Stadium, Russ Chandler, Russ Chandler well, Stadium. All I know is we'll be excited to go back. Yes, we will. Atlanta's a fun town. Maybe the Braves will be in town um, as well. Could catch a game there. Uh, Louisville, you get three against them in Tallahassee. Uh, and then you get the Miami Hurricanes in Tallahassee. Ooh, and, and three with Link Jarrett. Yeah, against Notre Dame. Right. Uh, so I also like I also like the Georgia Southern ad on a midweek. I thought yeah. that was interesting to me. Shout out to Haley Blitz, who made our logo for this podcast. Absolutely. I'm sure she'll be traveling. Uh, she's probably going to have to make a, a nice pitch to get on that team bus uh, back to uh, her, her old stopping grounds. Um, Bethune-Cookman, they've got a pulse um, in their conference. And then you get those three games against the Florida Gators. And uh, yeah, man, Brett, I'm excited about that game in Jacksonville again. You get the, the uh, 11,000 fans that, that fill up the baseball grounds. And um, that, that was something I think I really missed a year ago with, with COVID and not being able to play that game. Yeah, just, I was just thinking the same thing right before you said that. I mean, I thought that stadium was awesome when I went there. What was that? Last time we went there was three years ago now, two years ago? I think three years because COVID and, and last year. Um, yeah, that stadium was really fun. That was a really fun atmosphere and just a really good place. I'd go watch any baseball game there. Yeah, it's the home of the uh, Jacksonville Jumbo, Jumbo Shrimp. The triple-A the team of the uh, Miami Marlins. So uh, I have actually – I've got some family and, and friends who live out in Jacksonville and Anytime we go out there, they have some, uh, that's your, that's your classic minor league team that does a great job marketing, uh, their minor league team, um, and, and has like great Friday night crowds, uh, for, for, for triple a. All right. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that stands out three games at Clemson. That is always a rowdy atmosphere. I know Brett, you and I are going to try and make that trip if we can, uh, this year, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, three at Boston college. That should be interesting. And, uh, shout out to Tyler Holt, right? new assistant coach at BC. That was one of your guys. Yeah. Good to see uh, T T Holt get a full-time job. Um, I was really excited to see that. And I think he was a guy who deserved it. Um, you know, they still won't give that third paid assistant coach. We were talking about that a little bit before we got on and just how crazy that is. I mean, these college coaches are getting insane contracts and you can't pay whatever, whatever, not getting on that topic, but yeah, really good to see T Holt. I mean, he was, he was, Florida State's energizer bunny a bit in, in the dugout sometimes when they needed it. And yeah, I'll miss seeing T hold around. Um, you know, Florida State does have Andrew Amaro in now as the uh as the new a volunteer coach. And he's been a guy that's been working with the outfielders. Um, you know, you probably recognize that name from baseball. Ruben, uh, nephew of Ruben Amaro Jr., who's Phillies was the Phillies GM, um, you know, played at UT, actually played for Jimmy Bellinger at um was it Kentucky or was it, I believe Maryland it was at, that he was at when Jimmy Bellinger was there. So that was a bit of that connection. Um, yeah, but he's, he's been able to do some things for them. And I think that was uh, an add to the staff that, that they really enjoyed, but they also loved seeing T Holt go get paid. Yeah. Without a doubt. I'm trying to see other road series at Wake Forest. 
uh, for three. Um, that park, I'm sure, will be a launching pad, a launching pad, as it usually is. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to that one. I don't like playing at Wake Forest. FSU doesn't usually play great in recent memory up there well, either. It's freaking 300 down each line. I mean, what the heck? What are we doing? This is not little league. Come and on. In early March, it's probably going to be pretty cold in the Carolinas, so that's not fun. Uh, I do like that Florida State plays a ton of home games to start the year. Like, Brett, I'm talking like 80% of the – feels like 80% of the front half of the schedule is in Tallahassee. The Knowles did a really nice job of, of really loading up a home game. So that should, in theory, you should have a really nice record, at least to start the year and build some momentum. Uh, really, a lot of these away games are the either a Tuesday or a Wednesday, um, kind of pegged in there um, on the road, at like a Mercer or like a JU at UF. But like first three games at home, you play at JU, another three games at home, you play at Mercer in the midweek, another three games at home. Then you get FGCU at home. You play that one series at Wake Forest. Um, and then you go to Gainesville on the back of that. But then after that, you go something like <laughs> three straight home series. Yeah, like 15 to 16 games are at home. So you're talking like you're talking like 30 home games in the first like 40 matches total, 40 ball games total. Um, is that done, do you think, by design, or is that just the way the schedule will shook out? Well, the thing is, I mean, three of the three straight, that's done by ACC. So that's not even something that they, I believe it is. I mean, I believe it's done by ACC. It's not something that they have control over. Um, the first three ACC series I'm talking about that are three in a row, or not the first three, gosh, wow, just so bad. But three straight ACC series at home, um, and I like ending the season at UNC. I think that's a fun, interesting I didn't series. That. Yeah. And then you go straight from Chapel Hill to Charlotte. And man, I'm looking back. I'm looking forward to get back to Charlotte and eating some of the cannolis they had there because they're really good. Humble brag. I had a cannoli in Italy and it was. Uh, yeah, but those aren't the same as Charlotte, North Carolina cannolis. Let me yeah, tell you. Man, I mean, why would you want one from <laughs> Venice when you could have one from Charlotte? You can get one from Truist Field while watching some baseball instead of eating a ton of bread. Yeah, one was baked in an oven. The other was baked in like some factory that they shipped out uh, from like Fayetteville, North Carolina. Anyway, uh, looking at I'm not, looking at other matches that that caught my eye. Um, and made a mental note. The three at Georgia Tech will be fun. The trip to BC will be the first one at BC's new stadium as well, I believe. Yes. Uh, you get to go to Mercer. That'll be interesting. Haven't, I don't think FSU's played at Mercer. Um, we were it supposed got to one year, right? Yeah, I was. I was trying to figure out if it got rained out or if it was because of the COVID, a COVID shortened year. Either way, I know it was that play. year. Three hours to Macon, Georgia, I believe it is from Tallahassee. Yeah, that's about right. The three games I mentioned at Clemson will be a lot of fun. Uh, that ends up being a, a big atmosphere. Oh, the, the mental note that I made was the the three matches against Miami are the last home series of the season. Regular se- It'll be senior weekend uh, for FSU. Um, so will, and- they, will they do a senior day for Alex Terrell while Miami is there watching? That is I interesting. Would. I would do it just to troll them. I'm saying at least two home runs for Terrell that day. 
Wouldn't that be something you won the series? Marking it down now. I'm also intrigued, Brett, that the final two series, how much could those mean for all three of those programs that could be battling for postseason or uh, regional bids or um, or even a, a national seed? I mean, even TCU, the weekend, you know, uh, end of April, you're talking like FSU schedule sets up to have some marquee matchups when they matter the most uh, in the season. Yeah, and I mean – Miami's a weird situation because they had like 75% of their team go in the portal. I mean, Terrell's at Florida State. Gill went to Jacksonville. Medeiros, who was a weekend starter, went to Oklahoma State. Um, so they're a weird situation. But, you know, they had a really strong freshman class last year, and they had another um, well-put-together class coming this year. And then, you know, UNC's always just plays well, and playing at UNC is never going to be easy. But you know, hopefully at that point you're starting to really get into a role going into the postseason. But yeah, like you said, that will set up well to get you going for postseason play. Let's also make a note to uh, the game times have changed a little bit. Uh, we are starting to see that Mike Martin Jr. wants to play seven o'clock games if he can over the six o'clock. So I know a lot of you fans listening, a lot of parents um, make make plans accordingly. Florida State will start almost every home game that's not affected by uh, a linear national TV television time um, by ACC Network or ESPNU or ESPN2 uh, at 7 o'clock. A lot of matches in Tallahassee, a lot of games in Tallahassee that are going to now start at 7 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock. And then a whole lot of Saturdays that start at 2 p.m. Uh, for Florida State. Yeah, so it's the Friday ACC games at home or sevens, and then the midweek games, I believe that's what they are. That's kind of what it's that's like. That's what the trend looks like. And I, and I wonder the reasoning behind those. Uh, I know um, TV could play a part at some point, so there will be a chance that you get some 8 o'clock first pitches like you did against Pitt last year. Um, there will be, I'm sure, some matches and, and some games that get moved around to uh you know just to kind of fit the tv schedule and the the tv the tv lineup i should say that acc network or espn has put together but um get ready for some later nights at hauser starting at uh listening everybody will be listening to aria masudi call games at 10 p.m fun times that sounds miserable for for them and me (laughs) (laughs) um all right man well i think that's a good place to to put a pin in this one and revisit Sunday Golds uh, in about a month when spring practice kicks off. I should say official season practice kicks off. Any final thoughts from you, Brett, before uh, we sign off for the night? No, just January 1st, baseball season. It's Florida State baseball season. That's all I got to say. It's going to be 2022 the next time we talk to everybody. That's That's amazing. All right, Brett. Well, uh, stay safe, man. I know it's your your break, your winter break. Um, you got one more semester before you're a, a Florida State graduate, uh, and that's that's pretty cool. So, uh, until we chat again, Ario Masudi, Brett Nevitt, and uh, we will wish you guys a happy holidays, uh, a happy new year, and we will talk to you in 2022.